Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. I'm TJ Majors, and you're listening to Door Bumper Clear. Today we'll talk about wild restarts at Kansas, debate midweek races, and discuss the impact of no more practice and qualifying this year. Let's get started. I'm TJ Majors. This is Brent Griffin. Get ready. Be ready. Be ready. Give me what you got here. New leader. Oh, watch out for this guy. White flag. Recognize. Go low. Go low. Clear. Bring home. Hey everybody, I'm TJ Majors, inspired of the 22 cup car only this week, last week. TJ, what happened, man? I uh, I was texting with my friend Jamie McMurray yesterday, and he said that he uh, he was kicking off the truck race, and you're <laughs> always on this show talking about how much film you study, how hard you work, and then he tells me that you just skipped out on the truck racing this weekend. Yeah, uh... I was sitting there watching the truck race, listening to this as it's going. I heard. <laughs> and, I heard. Uh, and um, actually had uh, I had my friend send him a picture of me sitting on the couch. So Dale Jr. Dale Jr. <laughs> texts McMurray a picture of you and him on vacation while you're skipping <laughs> these truck races. Yeah, I knew this was going to be an issue because we normally go. Uh, we normally do a beach trip um during the summer and you know it's really our kids have been locked in the house for the last four or five months um so uh you know it's good to get them out a little bit and you know safely out but make sure you tell everybody right now what state you're vacationing in because this is very important i'm in alaska (laughs) you're not in alaska (laughs) you're in god's country he's in south carolina everybody i think everybody in the nascar industry that is on vacation right now is in south carolina i know and not for you brett because it's so close so don't give yourself credit i know one thing um uh i I saw a picture of tony hirschman and he needs to get some sun um (laughs) (laughs) he's on a beach yesterday and he needs more sun so uh, definitely, yes. But yeah, I had to, I had um, to give TJ crap for that. I, McMurray was texting me, and he's like, "I called him out for not being here." Next thing I know, Dell Junior's texting me. They were sitting there watching it together. So, Brett Griffin, <laughs> spotted for Clint Boyer. It feels weird doing this show, man. We uh, we raced on Thursday. We're just now getting around to the podcast on Monday. And and as always, hey, we got Freddie Kraft's not here today. He's vacationing. Get it in South Carolina, where people mm-hmm. go to vacation. 
Casey, uh, thanks for jumping on with us today. I know you've been super pregnant lately, so uh, it means a lot that you, you took time out of that busy schedule to come help us out. I'm definitely feeling it. So you know what? Kind of. I will take the credit where it's due. Kind of questioning Freddie's commitment level because I think a show right now with Freddie's camera would be actually pretty pretty entertaining to see what he would look like right about now. I'm gonna say he looks like he weighs about 280 and he's in a car <laughs> driving to the beach. <laughs> oh, he's driving today. I think they were heading down this morning. Oh, okay, that explains it. I guess. He and they were going to uh, they were going to Hilton Head, which is a pretty uppity area for a redneck Yankee. Like uh, I know that's somewhat of an oxymoron, but Freddie is a, a redneck Yankee. Heading to, uh, to to Hilton Head, there's a solid chance one of them one of them will get arrested. That that group he's going with. I'm surprised that's where they picked because there aren't as many bars as like other parts of South Carolina. Well, Freddie only needs one, and then he'll camp yeah. out there and sleep for the night. So it only takes one bar for Freddie, Casey. We don't need a lot this of bars true. as long as he stays out of the back seat of the car. I mean, it might be all right. <laughs> him and Megan found him a bar in a good parking spot. It may, that's all they need for a vacation. They could have stayed in Mooresville. What's your plan? Are you heading out of town or what, what are you thinking? No, I'm here. I'm, uh, my kids start dance camp this week where they're in dance tryouts. So last week they did, uh, did some, some intense classes. This week they actually go and try out to make their teams. Bodie had a baseball tryout on Saturday for an 8U team, travel ball team. He did an amazing job. Super proud of him. So it's just really weird. I just shipped them off, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to wear these masks and still be able to dance. And, and, and I mean, I grew up dancing, started in competitively in about the fifth grade. And your heart rate gets crazy high when you're dancing. So I don't know how they're going to – I know my fat ass couldn't wear a mask with my heart rate in the 150s right now. So it's it's a different world. Uh, very thankful they at least get to go out and get back to doing something they love because there's a lot of kids around this country right now that can't because of state restrictions. So fortunate here that we've got a lot of private sector things. The baseball for our rec league is completely wiped out and closed down, as is football. Bodie plays f- uh, flag football. Can't play that this fall. Uh, but fortunately, we're in some private things that gives these guys a chance to go out and be physical and, and get out of the house, like TJ said. I mean, these kids been cooped up long enough. They deserve vacations. They deserve to go to do things they love, just like the rest of us. Yeah, we spent last night right before the sun went down catching little uh, hermit crabs or whatever they are on the beach, and um, kids had so a So you and Dale Jr. So. used to catch other crabs probably. Now you're going to hermit crabs. <laughs> it's amazing what a family will do for you. <laughs> I'm not condoning My, that. Your vacation has changed. <laughs> Brett just has to change it from a family-friendly uh, segment to I just, uh, look, <laughs> TJ and Dale Jr. have been friends, what, 20 years? Uh, yeah, probably 25-ish. Their vacations, I know, because mine and Elliot's vacations have changed a lot over the years, right? So you look at, at, at you know, Dale Jr. and TJ 20, 25 years ago, their vacation looks a lot different this week. Yeah, I don't I remember blowing up bounce houses and uh, kites and gigantic bubbles and uh, what else have we done? I've pushed, I'm a, if pushing on a swing set was walking, I've, I've pushed about 25 miles Um yeah, and it's it's uh, our little girls really close to the same age. One gets on the swing, the other has to get on the swing, and there's two swings side by side. So you got to literally, and they all they say it the whole time. As soon as you don't push one, go bigger, go bigger, and you're like, oh. So getting a workout at the same time, but it's fun. That's a good workout for you. Well, I know it's been a few days, <laughs> but uh, how was Kansas? I didn't enjoy it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> didn't think so. 
No, we uh, we must have ran over something, and we cut a left front tire after the restart um, off of turn two. So it couldn't have went flat all the way before the green or something like that where we could have come down pit road or something. But, you know, that's just one of them racing brakes that you get once in a while. It's something you just get dealt that stuff once in a while. There's nothing you can really do, but uh, learn as much as you can. And I think we would have come out of there with a top six finish because we were running six when the tire went down. Um, we had a, we had an uncontrolled tire early in the race, which really set us back and clawed back from that. And, you know, I think uh car had decent speed. We were, um, we were close to Blaney and Brad, um, which were faster at the end. So I feel, I feel like we could have been in that top five, Rick mixing it up with Brad and Denny and them. And, and, uh, but you know, just cut that tire and hit the wall. So hate that, um, you know, might've got someone else tore up in it and stuff like that, but that wasn't the big wreck of the night, obviously. Yeah. Best mile and a half racing I've seen in a very long time. I mean, we look back at the Kentuckys and the Texas and, and the Charlotte, oh, there were the, the racing was abysmal from where we spot these races from. So to go to a surface that they had not altered the surface and for us to see cars getting loose. Look, we saw a lot of guys wreck on their own, uh, and almost including my guy. I mean, he came off turn four and, and tail slapped the wall. But anytime you see cup cars wrecking on their own these days, it means they're a handful to drive. So I think it was a, a breath of fresh air uh, to see not only one good race at, at Kansas, but several good races throughout the weekend. Those guys were up on the wheel, and anytime you see those guys working hard, uh, it, it means you're probably going to see a good race. We saw a little bit of everything. Lead changes, wrecks, stuff happening on pit road, obviously some gigantic wrecks that we didn't necessarily – We look, TJ and I talked about this a few years ago. If we wreck in this package on restarts, it's going to be big wrecks because we're all on top of each other and can't get away from each other. I mean, three, four, sometimes five wide at these mile and a half. So it's uh, it's insane. It's finally nice to see the tire that we've been saying sucks actually didn't suck at a place where they didn't put PJ1 down. You know, I'm still not a huge fan of all this downforce that we're making. I'd love to see more horsepower. That's probably not going to happen. But I'm overall, not sure I, I like Kansas with two thumbs up. <laughs> I'm not sure I like that tire. Yeah, you probably didn't. <laughs> no, he's, he's right. Uh we go to a track that's been seasoned a while, um, multiple racing grooves, um, the surface it's about, to me, it's about the surface. Um, maybe could have used a little bit softer tire, but you know, anytime we have a really hard tire and we spray the track, that's spraying the track and a really hard tire creates to me, not very good racing, but anytime you have a track like Kansas, Chicago, where you can move around when you can move around naturally without having to force the grip somewhere, ends up being a great race um it's really exciting watching these guys race places like that that they can move and you know we couldn't run up until later in the race where our car was too loose so we kind of had to force bottom when joey did move up i could see it was really loose you know he had to wheel it and he's driving it so uh, there's a lot of things i saw that i liked so i thought that was uh i thought kansas was a good race cheers <laughs> what are you drinking buddy no no not yet. You're on vacation, though. I don't like Buddy Mary's. Yeah. I'm I'll, surprised um, you guys don't have, like, a beer in your hand now, Brett. Rutledge dropped off some sort of frozen wine mix yesterday, and it was, uh, it was tasty. All right. Well, before we get started, let's hear more about our presenting sponsor, OfferPad. Hi, we're OfferPad. The new way homes are sold. Go to OfferPad.com, tell us about your home, and we'll send you a great purchase offer. Or, if that's not your style, we can also list your home with tons of free OfferPad services. Free handyman fixes, house cleaning, yard work, and more to get your home show ready. 
we can even advance renovation costs to maximize your home's value. Whatever way you want to sell, you're sold with OfferPad. Sell your way today at OfferPad.com. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. You like it. Spot off. You don't like it. And you say why either way. First topic, Denny Hamlin says I'm winning more with my mind now than I am with my talent. Spot on, spot off, Brett. Wow, winning more with his mind. I I would think that that means he's racing smarter. He's racing very methodically. He's probably not just showing up at the racetrack. He's spending more time being prepared when he gets to the racetrack. I actually flew with Denny a few weeks ago. Um, Where were we, TJ? Kentucky? Yeah, yeah where, you, where you barely made yeah. it. <laughs> I flew, flew in with him to Kentucky. And, uh, man, the whole way there, he was on his computer, you know, studying. And I think when you look at what those guys are having to do now, it's something that Jimmy Johnson started, you know, 15 years ago. And it's it's the work ethic outside of the car. And, and I think him saying – him admitting that means that he's putting in the work, not just the four hours a week, but also during the week, pre-race, post-race, debriefs, and everything else that it takes to make these cars go fast. Yeah, um, I, I mean, spot off kind of for me, though, because you're still in – your cars are super fast, and it shows. I mean, usually usually right off the truck, you're in the top – a top five car. Um, and, you know, to me, you know, you can – you definitely have to prepare more for these these races, which it's been like this for – man, it's been like this for a few years now already uh, – um, just preparing for this type of stuff at least two years when we went to this package. But, um, you know, that I, I think the, it's definitely the field is closer now than it's ever been as far as, um, you know, everyone driving, driving similar stuff. It's definitely gotten closer in that aspect, but you know, it's see, Denny's definitely talented. He's definitely got talent, but you know, makes it a lot easier when your cars turn and you can, you know, he's got great cars and um, his guys obviously put their time in and work super hard and, and get their stuff right a lot, you know, um, which helps out a ton. Matt Benedetto says the restarts are just wild because we have no horsepower. So it takes us 45 minutes to get going. Spot on, <laughs> spot off, TJ. Uh, I mean, spot on what restarts are wild for sure. And they the part that stands out to me where you can really see how, how long it takes to get up to speed is under green flag pit stops. When your guy comes off pit road on the backstretch and the guy is, you know, behind you is 20 car lengths behind you. You're like, Oh yeah, we got this guy, but you get through three and four and he's still coming. He's still catching you. And your guy's been wide open the entire time. And then down the front stretch, he just blows your doors off and just carries on even further. Um, it does take a while to get these cars wound up, and I'm sure Brett saw the same thing under green flag stops. It's just, you know, you have to have a huge lead on the guy. Otherwise, he's going to catch you. Uh, I'm spot off for this guy's comments because it takes him 45 minutes to get up to speed, yet it takes him four and a half seconds to make everybody three wide on these restarts. Uh, if, if anybody's been aggressive, overly aggressive, and put himself in some positions that could jeopardize his finish, it's been him, and, and I mean, he did it a, uh, several times the other night. 
the big wreck that he got in on the back, I can't tell you who caused that because of the view that I saw of that, it was really difficult to tell. Obviously, TJ caused it. Oh, no, sorry about that. Didn't mean to call you out there. But um, <laughs> obviously, okay, huge, huge, huge sense of relief to see Ryan Priest walk away from that wreck. Another uh, Dale Earnhardt lifesaver, if you will. Um, but Dibendetto, if it takes 45 minutes to get up to speed, don't be an idiot in the first four and a half seconds after your spotter says green, green. I think you need to learn to say his name first before you call him out on anything. Matt Dibbon and Nadetto. Sure. Oh, uh, scoring loops in Kansas Xfinity Series. Keep Ryan Sieg as the leader for the final restart. Spot on, spot off. Brett. This is (laughs) This has got to go. We have got to recognize a point in the race if, if this had been TJ right here, he would have been absolutely livid. <laughs> so so I am completely spot off for this scoring loop thing. Listen, we run on a 300-mile race, a 500-mile race. I'm going to give you a pass for the first – if it's a 500-mile race, I'll give you a pass for the first 496 miles. In the Cub cars, we have SMT data. We have the ability to get this field frozen and put back together exactly as they ran when the caution came out. When we have the Xfinity Series race – we have caution lights that come on. We have the TV capturing that. We have to make – there's too much on the line for us to have these situ- – I mean, Ryan uh, – I'm sorry, Austin Cendrick should have been the leader of that race, and he ended up losing the race because he didn't get to control the restart because we're going back to technology that should be considered outdated. If we didn't have technology in place, Casey, to say there are ways to make this 100% accurate at this point in the race where there's less than five to go, this is the system that we're going to migrate migrate to, I would give our, our, our guys a pass on this. But we have the technology, TJ. This shouldn't still be happening. Yeah, I saw the um, – they put a, a graphic on the screen that showed where the scoring loops were, but I'm not even 100% sure how they, how they, how they work. Um, there's one time this has been probably seven eight years ago where uh it was actually with mcmurray and i was spotting for dell jr and the yellow come out and mcmurray was behind us and they put him in front of us and he had never been in front of us at all so i have no and we were i was like and you can't argue it you're not going to win so you know i was down there like this is completely impossible because the guy has never been in front of us and okay there he goes but yeah i don't it either freezes right when it comes out, and that's where you're locked. I don't know why it can't be like that. Um, with the I had data a situation in the Daytona 500, I got screwed. Remember, and then you yeah. got it. You had a you had a situation at Phoenix where I screwed you, and you came down there to me, yeah. fussing at me, going, "Hey, I'm supposed to be in front of you." And guess what? You yeah. were right. But because we went back to this old scoring loop, it, it's not the way yeah, it happened. I so I, I mean, you've been on the front end, you've been on the back end of it. It sucks. I mean, there's. I don't see any why there's any reason why you can't go back and even with SMT data, when the caution comes out, it shows it on the screen. Go back there and look the instant the caution comes out and make your decisions right there with with the lineup. You know, lock the field right there where you're at, and that's it. I mean, that way everybody. That way, when the caution comes out, you know, everyone still you still see guys racing back because um, we're still unsure. Um, you know, if you lock the field, like when, when the spotter says cautions out, um, you don't stay in it, you know, and, and you know, it's going to be locked probably a split second before you say cautions out. So there's really no reason to stay in the throttle and keep racing people. So I don't know there, I don't see why there's no reason why we can't freeze the field, you know, just like, um, just like we do when the 10th place car crosses the line at the end of a stage. I don't know if what how that freezes or where you. I mean, I really don't even know where you race to at that point. I mean, we're if you're 15th racing a guy for four and the cosh comes out, 
are you still in front of them? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, we should just freeze the field when the caution comes out. Spot on, spot off. Jimmy Johnson's crew chief, Cliff Daniels, says the 22 spotter is leading him really hard to block you off for at Texas. TJ, this one is for you. Spot on. Thanks for the shout out, man. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny because this is the info that Joey wants. And this racing, so like, y- you can't. You got to race for every inch of ground. We couldn't run the high side at Texas off of turn four because we were bottoming out over that bump. I don't know if Brett did it all, all day, but a lot of guys were hitting the splitter off turn four at Texas really late and washing up the racetrack. So Jimmy could run the high side the whole way if we wanted to, but we couldn't at the three quarter mark. Um, Joey likes to be kind of down, but you need the room on exit. So you kind of go under the bump a little bit where it's pointed down. So when you come up, like that wasn't really like we were trying to steal his on. That's where, that's so Joey didn't come up across him if he was out there you know plus um and only he literally was only behind us for about two laps he was really fast and he had a super fast car i don't know if brett noticed that that day but he was jimmy was really good that day um and you know it's uh hey hey i mean maybe um i don't know what kind of info goes across the radios but i don't know (laughs) i'm not trying to be I'm trying to be very politically politically correct about this, but you know that's the info that's being given nowadays. I'm not leading him really hard to to. I'm we're being defensive at the same time, trying to you know trying to get everything you can get because how hard was it to pass at Texas, Brett? Uh, TJ, I mean spot on. T- TJ is doing his job. It's Joey's decision to decide whether or not he's going to make. And, and try to complete the block. It's also Joey's discretion to, to at that point in the race to, to to decide if he wants to put himself in a position to get wrecked because he's being overly aggressive. Look, when it's four or five to go in a stage, when it's two, three, four, five to go in a race, it's a completely different ball game. But our job as spotters, especially with this package, is to tell these drivers where the runs are coming from. Because if we get our momentum stalled down, not only one car is going to pass us, multiple cars are going to pass us. And that's that's a product of this package and how hard it was to pass at Texas. If, if we go back and look at Texas, it was freaking impossible to pass. And the second that guy gets inside of you, now the guy behind you is going to blow by you. Now you're going to lose two or three spots. So TJ's doing his job. Joey's holding the steering wheel. I know we give TJ a lot of crap on here for excessive blocking, but this uh, particular case where the crew chief's whining, uh, suck it up, buttercup. It's part of racing. My favorite part was is the in the radioactive clip that it was like they played that, and it's like, hey, the 22 spotter's doing this. And then it is, uh, they got around us. It was literally like two laps. So it wasn't that challenging for Jimmy to go around us at that point. And then, um, you know, you got the spotter on there saying, you know, block this beep. I don't know if you saw it, but, um, then the next, and then the next clip is, oh, I hit the wall. So, um, it was, uh, I don't know. I'm the, I'm just the guy doing my job. He must've been the other guy. Well, don't worry. Freddie made sure you saw it. So he posted it. <laughs> yeah. A door bumper clear we like when our listeners are happy. And we like to do things that make them happy. Oh, yeah? Like what, TJ? Well, besides giving Casey a hard time and providing them something to laugh about each week, we want them to experience the best way to buy and sell a home. Exactly, man. We love telling them about our presenting sponsor, OfferPad.com. It's one of the easiest ways to sell your home, and that's go directly to OfferPad. First, you'll start by providing OfferPad a few details about your home and requesting your free, no-obligation offer. 
OfferPad will then give you the option to provide photos and videos of your home by uploading the pictures or taking OfferPad on a 15-minute virtual walkthrough. This helps OfferPad understand what's unique about your home. It'll allow them to provide you with a more competitive offer. Then, OfferPad gets to work. Within 24 hours, OfferPad's real estate experts will evaluate your home and give you a cash offer. If you like the cash offer, take it. Did you hear me? A cash offer. You'll then enjoy the benefits of selling directly to OfferPad. That includes no showing, a flexible close date, extended stay, and a free, always lovely, free local move. Thousands of people have turned to OfferPad, and OfferPad has a 94% customer satisfaction rating. Be happy, and when you are ready to sell your home, do it through OfferPad.com. Here's the most important part. Make sure you click that you heard about us on the podcast option. There's Dale Jr. popping in our show, as a matter of fact, right behind old TJ. Uh, make sure you tell them that's where you heard us. But without OfferPad.com, we don't get to do this show, guys. Spot on, spot off. NASCAR announces no practice or qualifying for the remainder of 2020. Brett. Spot on. I know there are people who don't understand why we're having to do this. Um, but it's it's because of a the pandemic and b it's it's cost savings. I mean these these teams. I'm gonna go out on a limb, TJ, and I'm gonna speculate that each car that's in the top thirty in points that actually goes out and races. I'm not talking about the field filler guys. I'm talking about the the teams like you and I are on. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that they're saving between five hundred thousand and seven hundred thousand dollars per car based solely on tires. No tires. We don't need tires. We used to burn through tires in practice on Friday, two sets. We'd burn through a set in qualifying. We'd burn through more tires on Saturday if we had practice. We're saving four to five sets of tires. Man, that's that's $2,000 a set, people. And, and that's just for one car for one weekend. Then you look at the travel. We got less hotels. We got less rental cars. We got less per diem. We're saving our bodies. We're in and out, man. So when you guys look at this and you see no practice, it doesn't really change the experience of the race. If anything, I think it makes it better in how we view it. You know, there is one track that stands out, and that's going to be the Daytona Road Course. And... Look, I think, I mean, Dustin Long put out an article and said, hey, here's all the guys that have raced on this thing. And it was people like Timmy Hill. It was people like Martin Truex Jr. Obviously, Clint Boyer's been on it. So um, there's there's 10 guys that have been on this thing. What, where I'm torn on this thing, I don't want to take so a tangent, TJ, is I've seen data that says if they don't put in a front stretch chicane at Daytona, that our cars could potentially be going 220-plus miles an hour entering turn one at Daytona. So my, my my thing is about this no practice is when we got to the Roval, we really had to massage on that thing. We kept playing with the turtles uh, on the backstretch chicane to get it exactly right. We saw William Byron, Bubba Wallace, a lot of guys completely total race cars. So going back to the initial thing, I'm spot on no practice for qualifying the rest of 2020. But Daytona road course, wow, that's a big one. Yeah, turn one, I mean, I've done the road race a handful of times, and, you know, them sports cars overdrive turn one. Um, yeah, it's definitely going to be challenging, but these are the, these guys, these guys at road courses are pretty good. I mean, we look at the road courses nowadays, we talked about, you know, a handful of shows ago, you used to have ringers come in there, the Boris said, the Simo brothers, um, you know, these guys would come in and run really competitive, and then they would come in there, and then it was hard for them to run top 10. These guys are really good, and they're going to figure it out. And with technology that we've got these days, these guys might not have real laps on the racetrack, 
but they're going to have virtual laps on this track. Um, I'm sure some of them have been driving it for a for month since they announced we're going to run it. They've been on it. So I guarantee guys like Chase Briscoe, I know he's in the Xfinity Series, but Chase Briscoe, even these cup guys, they've all, they're getting on them simulators and running it, and they're going to figure it out. They're going to be running it's going to take them probably four or five laps to pretty much have all the corners down before they start, you know, trying to get a little bit more. And in my opinion, the sim, the sim's even harder because you don't have that seat of the pants feel exactly like a real car. It's very good for visual, visual reference and stuff like that. And these guys, um, I, I, I think it's going to be exciting and there's going to be a few mistakes, but, um, these guys are going to figure it out pretty quick. The Daytona Road Course isn't overly challenging either. I mean, it's got a little technical section inside, um, the banking, the chicane on the backstretch, but they're going to figure that stuff out pretty quick. Um, turn one's going to be, it's going to be exciting. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think these guys are going to put on a great show. We're going to have some, we're going to have some mistakes and stuff, but that's what makes it exciting. The unknown, this unknown is, man, I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be good. I started going to NASCAR races at four years old, and we camped on the infield at these tracks. If if fans were allowed to come, you get a chance to see four races in a row, ARCA, Truck, Xfinity, Cup. Give me that over a bunch of freaking cars out there riding around for two hours making single-car runs. I, I As a race fan, don't tell me it takes away from the experience. Take your ass to the racetrack. You'll be blown away at how entertaining this is. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be really good. But And as far as the no-practice thing, I'm spot on because – it's saving tires, hotels, backup cars. These guys are only preparing, except for the doubleheader weekends when we run two races, you know, a Saturday-Sunday show, which is, what, a couple more times this year, maybe Michigan yep. and Dover. They're not having to put two cars together. The The guys, it's saving money the whole way around with that. Um, you know, we're leaving race day morning, no hotels. Uh, huge, huge for the teams. Um but yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's great, and like you said, the biggest question was Daytona, and they'll figure it out. I mean, these guys are professionals, and it, you know, if you're not comfortable, drive at your drive at your level until you feel like you've hit your limit and grace, you know. And um, I'm excited. I think Casey, the the thing here is this is still because of the pandemic. They don't want us around each other any more than we have to be. And if we're in there practicing, you're not going to have two or three guys around each other on one team. You're going to have 40 cars on top of each other. You're going to have seven, eight crew members per car on top of each other. Um, and, and that's just in one series. So I, I still think, look, it is saving the teams a lot of money. I don't think it changes the, the fan experience when it actually comes time to watch the race. If it does, it's for the better. And, but this is still a result of the of the pandemic and us trying to, quote, social distance and do this the right way. Yeah, agreed. I, mean, uh, I also think that, you know, if, if you think about the amount of money teams are still behind because of all of the time that we've taken off, I mean, this probably is helping them more than anything. Brett, Clint still seems upset about the qualifying, how it's determined. Do you think that'll change for the playoffs? Because now they're saying they won't qualify for the rest of the year as well. Hey, Jason, I don't know if you know this, but when Clint and I were f***ing about it, we were 13th in the standings. Now we're 12th, so we actually can't start any worse than 12th. I, I, I go back. I will go back through my Twitter timeline. I'll take off anything that I said. I think we need to stick to the top 12 qualifying draw, uh, and let's just see what happens. Man, you guys have been doing it right the whole time. Forget what Clint and I said last week. So are you saying you're wrong? <laughs> is, that, is that what I – I'm saying I've changed my mind. <laughs> wrong, basically. 
that's all I'm gonna take it. Look, look. Here, here's the thing, man, and 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 I'll I'll stand by what I said. When you have 20 guys vying for 16 spots, it's not fair to take 12 guys and to put them in their own little bucket and to draw and, and isolate them in the top 12 and leave the rest of us back there fighting for potentially starting as worse as 26th. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. How does 12th get the pole and 13th gets 26th? Like, that is a big separation in, in parity. And, and I think for the draw, all you want is fair. Look, if I'm – I don't know if Bubba Wallace is still in contention after his wreck last week, but if mathematically he was in contention to still make the playoff, he should be drawn from the same bucket Joy Logano is. I mean, there's there's no real – there's never going to be a perfect way when you take away qualifying. And I know what – I mean, I, I agree with kind of what they did, though, because you kind of earned them spots the way you ran at the beginning of the year. And you earned – you kind of earned, you know, that, that top 12. You kind of earned that top 12 by running good in the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, it sucks for guys that are – that are right on the cusp that are, you know, are 13th or something like that. But there's, you kind of, you have to draw the line somewhere. There's no way the, you know, I don't think you can start the 25th place guy or 24th place guy or whatever it is on the pole, you know. Um, I think it's hard. I don't think there was a perfect formula, but I think they, uh, and I can understand, you know, why Clint, because he's right on the edge right there. Um, but honestly, uh, you know, a couple good runs with you guys where you don't get in trouble there a couple times, you're 10th place and not worrying about it anymore, you know, and it's kind of like you make your own luck. You run, you put together some solid races, like guys have some bad luck. And uh, like you guys had a couple bad luck races there and this kind of hurts you and there's nothing you can, nothing you can really do about it. So, um, but I don't think there was a perfect formula. Before we continue, we'd like to take a moment of silence for Maurice Petty and spotter Brad Campbell, who passed away over the weekend. Let's hit the gas and jump into fast lane. Let's see who's bringing some Xfinity speed this week because we're going to fly through six questions in 10 seconds. Question number one, with no PJ1 applied at Kansas, is a one and a half mile racing better with or without PJ1? TJ. It's obviously track dependent. Um, you know, if the track has character and lanes you can move around in, it's gonna be good. Um, I, I don't like it. Bring softer tires to the tracks that are, you know, going to run one lane. I went to a Blake Shelton concert this weekend. It was at the drive-in at Charlotte, and that racetrack is as black as the ace of spades, as Freddie called it last week. At Kansas, it was super, super gray. Take all this crap off our racetrack and let us just race. Anything else, TJ? I mean, if you want to see them pass each other on Mount Ahas and it's gripped up, take that spoiler off the back. Question number two. After the fifth midweek race of the season, should NASCAR schedule midweek races again next year? Brett. Yes, there is one midweek race that we have to have. When we go to the West Coast, I want to see the West Coast swing be a Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, where we go to Phoenix, Fontana, Vegas. We knock it out in 10 days. We save the teams a lot of money. We don't do any practice or qualifying there. That would be genius. Yeah, I think... Um I think we proved the all-star race can be very good at a short track. Um, I think it can get even better, too. So um, I definitely – I don't know if midweek was that for that one, but I, I like midweek races, still. I think we have, I think we need to pick a day and have, you know, Wednesday night NASCAR or something. We need to find our – we need to find our niche there. 
I think TJ's right. I think we got to develop it. Clearly, the ratings weren't what we would hope they would be at some of these races. Uh, last week's race uh, drew a million four viewers. But if we stick to it, and every Wednesday night there's one of our series on TV, people are going to get used to that when we grow it. Question number three: Jimmy Johnson is now 18 points behind sixth in the playoff standings. Will he make or miss the playoffs this year? 16th, not sixth. TJ. Ah oh, man, I gotta I gotta say miss man. He keeps you know Jimmy's making a lot of mistakes, um, and he's gonna need to. And Jimmy's perfectly capable of, of straightening this out. But this is a tough sport right now. But he cannot make any more mistakes because 16th in playoff points ain't gonna get it. He's gonna probably have to be 14th or higher. He's wrecking so so much more than we've ever seen Jimmy Johnson wreck. I don't want to say he's going to miss it because it's Jimmy Johnson and I idolize this guy from what he's accomplished as a race yeah. car driver, but, man, he can't screw up anymore, Casey. That's the end of that. TJ, anything else? Uh, I mean, like Brett said, man, you hate to see a guy like Jimmy because Jimmy's such a – he's – man, he's, he's never he's never going to get the credit he deserves um, for being the champion that he is and an all-around great guy too. But, you know, I think he no more mistakes. After Travis Pastrana came back to race in the truck race at Kansas, who's another racer from a different form of other sports you'd like to see in a NASCAR race? Brett. Woo, give me a, this isn't going to be a shocker, but give me Lewis Hamilton. As accomplished as he is in F1, he's only, what, six wins away from breaking Schumacher's record. Schumacher's record is the most winning driver in F1 history. Like, give me that guy, because we saw how hard it was for Montoya to get here. I want to see what Lewis Hamilton can do. I want to flip this question a little bit, and I want to take Kyle Busch and put him in a Formula One car. Can we swap Lewis and Kyle for a couple weekends and – see which one does better. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kyle Busch does better. I think Jason might miss him a lot. He's gone. Nope. Here's the TJ's right. Kyle Busch, if they swap rides, Kyle Busch is going to be more successful. We saw Kimi Raikkonen, who is an accomplished Formula One driver, come over here and, you know, nothing against him, but he he looked like he was at the wrong track. (laughs) Like, he, you know, it's hard, man. This stuff's not easy. And these guys... The Formula One guys are so um, – they're very good at what they do, their they're road course stuff. But I just think it's easier – I think Kyle could pick that up or I think it's an easier – not that, you know, he'd go win seven championships, something like that. But um, I think it's just uh, – man, these – NASCAR's hard, man. Trucks, Xfinity, you know, Cup, whatever car you come in and get in, it's not easy. It's easy for me to say this because I'm standing my fat ass on a roof watching these guys go 185 miles an hour. I think our cars are easier to drive right now than they ever have been. So I think it opens up the door for one of those guys to come in because there is more downforce than ever. There is less horsepower than ever. However, our cars are still super heavy. They do get loose. They don't have the oval experience. Uh, but, hey, this is a fun debate, man. We're always going to want to have these conversations as racers to cross-reference various series, various forms of motorsports. I think that's why it makes what Ray and Tony and those guys are doing so exciting with their short track series. Hey, I want to say one thing about the Kansas race. So I was brought to my attention that it was an entertaining race uh, for the people that were watching it because you could see how loose some of these guys were. I guess Ryan Blaney had white gloves on or uh, something to match his car. And it looked like you could see his gloves, like the car was staying perfectly straight, but his hands are just, you can see the white gloves moving a lot, which means he's working. 
when their hands are moving, it's catching the car. And I promise you, if you if that if your car going down the highway moves that much, uh, you, when you're going around a corner, you're gonna you're gonna scare yourself. You, uh, you know what I mean? Like these guys are doing 180, 190 miles an hour in the corners, catching those race cars. And um, and I, I promise you, it's gonna be really hard for someone to come out of another another car that's not used to sliding like that at 180 mile an hour through a corner and catch these things like that. Yeah, Dog Treat Day was with me, TJ, at the concert for Blake, and they kept showing Ross's in-car. We were watching it on my iPad, and, and I was saying, look, watch his hands. The more his hands move, the harder he's working. If you see him holding a nice steady wheel, which is what we've seen the Gibbs guys do in the Xfinity Series forever, he's going to be going fast and not really having to do as much to make the car go fast. And Ross, was he had a fast car. He wasn't working his tail off like, uh, tail off like we talked about the day before where Clint, Blaney, Bubba, Busher. Kyle Busch, I mean, all these guys are wrecking on their own because the car's freaking hard to drive. Yeah, for sure. Will two drivers duel late in the race for the win at New Hampshire for the third year in a row? And if so, who will it be? TJ. Uh, depends on, you know, the cautions, if we get a late caution. And I don't know what tire we're running there yet. Um, I haven't looked, but, man, it'd be great if we had some fall off. And, and uh, I don't know if they're – are they spraying the track? Clint Boyer wrecks Joey Logano for the win. That's what I hope happens. <laughs> I don't see that happening. But uh, Clint, Clint, right now, Clint needs some solid finishes. He needs to. We need stage uh, points, um, man. We can't get a stage point to save the coronavirus. It's awful. You need. You just need. You need some solid finishes, man. You need a couple. You need some stage points and just you know. You need top fives. You need to come out here. You need. Two top fives and a top five at the end. This is one of Clint's better tracks. So when you get in that position, uh, and TJ can attest to this, when it's one of their better tracks, they they press. Sometimes pressing will get you in trouble. So hopefully Clint's having a good, nice, relaxing week somewhere, getting plenty of rest, staying hydrated, uh, not drinking any bush lights, and and getting ready for a big, big weekend here in New Hampshire. Sounds like you better do a good job of keeping him calm. Uh, I got that. Off the wall question. If you and your driver and crew had to compete in a team summer Olympic sport, which sport would you perform best at? Brett. Well, beach volleyball. I've, uh, I've had uh, a lack of success there personally, so I'm not going to say I can do beach volleyball soccer. I don't like soccer. I don't never like soccer. I've never played soccer. Um, I, I would say, um, Synchronized swimming is probably something that me and my crew could do very well right now because, uh, you know, we, we seem to all just be overly mellow and, and not very aggressive. And uh, I don't know, synchronized swimming. I'm sure we those 10 guys that look super cute in thongs out there doing that. That'd be awesome. Can we uh, make this happen, Jason, for a video exclusive? Yeah, we need to find a pool. Video exclusive? We can, we can do that. <laughs> I can work on the pool part uh, if you can make it happen. I mean... Water polo, I mean, if you could change that to Marco Polo, that might be okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. What, what is our oh, artistic? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Maybe rowing? That sounds pretty relaxing, even though I know you got to row. But uh, this other, these other ones, I just, I just don't see happening. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see. So, <laughs> so see artistic our, swimming for both of you guys, I think that will work out well. I'm just going to go with Marco Polo. <laughs> <laughs> 
The only thing faster than Fast Lane was Kevin Harvick because he scored this week's Xfinity Fastest Lap at Kansas. I know something faster. Lay it on us, dog. You know we're talking about Xfinity Internet. They're the champs of keeping you connected with all the action plus exclusive NASCAR content. If you're not already, be sure to give them a follow at Xfinity Racing on Twitter. Speaking of champs, Xfinity is supporting the selfless champions of the NASCAR community with a Comcast Community Champion of the Year program. It's incredible to see the work being done in our sport by so many, even seeing Joey be recognized in 2018. Comcast has been so supportive and invested over $600,000 in the charities highlighted over the years. Can't wait to see who all will be honored this year. If you know someone in NASCAR doing awesome things in the community, head over to ComcastCommunityChampion.com and submit your nomination today. Ask DBC. Send in your questions 24-7 on Twitter using the hashtag AskDBC. First question is from Evan33Anderson. What do y'all think about Indy hosting a self-driving car race with a $1.5 million prize in 2021? TJ. Um, love to see it. <laughs> um, not really, though. I mean, where is the... Um... Where this isn't, uh, I don't know. This is this isn't like racing anymore to me. This is like just get on iRacing racing and do that if you want or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think. Um, where is the uh, the driver going to? You know, uh, where is the driver come into play? You know, is there is like no a driver. Video game. It's a self driving car. I mean, <laughs> so what if one of these cars just goes rogue and starts going backwards or something? You know, um, who wants to see cars without drivers go race for a million five? If we're going to take a million five, let's distribute it upon the idiots that would actually take the time to watch this stupid. He just wants your reaction to it. Well, there you go. Brett clearly outdid himself. Is this even, was it even, even talked about? Jeff Gluck tweeted about this this past week. And, um, I thought it was very interesting. Do they like get mad? One point five million dollars for a self drive to win it a self sounds race. like the that cars seems like gonna, a waste of money. It sounds like the cars are going to cost more than that. Yeah, they're having a bunch of different universities build these cars and then bring them to the track and race them. I'm all for that. So are they going to get mad at each other? Five million dollars. There's no. a lot of more better things we could do with one point five million dollars. Like give it to yeah. TJ. Yeah, I buy me a beach house. You don't need Next a beach question. house. You're sitting at a beach house now. <laughs> I think you're set. <laughs> Next question is from EHC2000. What is your best drunk Freddy story? Brett, can you just pick one out of your million? Everybody knows mine. The backseat of the car. That wasn't your story, though. That's Freddy's story. Uh, I guess a story about him being drunk that... He wouldn't tell, but you can tell since he's not here this week. I, I mean, I don't want to tell you guys the same story, but I also don't want to tell a new one because then it's going to open me up for him wanting to come tell stories about me. So uh, it's all right. That's uh, the purpose of it. I mean, I, yeah. I still go back to the chili bowl where Freddie uh. almost fell out of the grandstands and he uh, <laughs> ended up in the bathroom. And every every man was using the bathroom. Freddie would walk by him and push him, and the dude turned around and threw about a sixty-four ounce beer right in Freddie's face. And uh, Freddie just kind of looked at me real dumb, like, man, what am I going to do now? And bless his heart. So the funny part of the story is, though, I went back to, to Chad Boat's hauler. And at the time, Casey Boat was not Casey Boat. She was the future 
Miss Casey boat. But I go back to the hauler, Jason, and Freddie's a, a good solid triple X t-shirt, right? Well, they don't have triple X t-shirt on this on this hauler. So I sold up, out pretty quick that year. I end up with a large in my hands. And and I take this large t-shirt back to the bathroom because Freddie is drenched. He looks like he's been doing synchronized swimming at this point. And I'm like, hey dude, you gotta you gotta put this this shirt on. You should have seen his boobs in that shirt. <laughs> I wish we'd have had a picture of Freddie in this tube top. Uh, it was special. <laughs> Somebody does. I think Somebody I do does. in my old phone. I need to look that up because I, I have. A, mm. I'm pretty sure I had a picture of him sitting in one of those chairs. He wasn't the sitting. That we put he wasn't out. sitting. He was sleeping. Well, we we got him sitting at one point because he passed out. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you imagine Freddie wearing a Chad Boat Schmedium shirt right in the middle of the oh. Chili Bowl, uh, in the middle of this Tulsa, Oklahoma convention center it was special and and this all is mike herman's fault mike herman spots for at the time stenhouse nice spots for busher he's like man i got two extra tickets brett i know you always wanted to go to the the chili bowl you know i'm, I'm gonna sell you my tickets so it was all mike if mike doesn't offer me those two tickets me and freddie would have never went and he'd have never had to dress like he dressed that afternoon oh that was probably the best chili bowl experience honestly <laughs> we need to get him back uh, you're gonna you're gonna need to find that picture I, I, yeah, I need if you to find, find the it. picture, we'll use it in a video this week if you find it. Oh my gosh. If I, it's on probably my old phone, but yeah, that was a that was the best experience. No one posted anything? Any videos or photos from Freddy's Chili Bowl adventures that year? What year was that? Oh man, that was before we were engaged. It was like 20. It's probably five seven, years ago. Yeah, 16, 15? Yeah. When Freddie retires, when he stops spotting, I'll tell you all the Freddie stories, but I can't tell you any while he's still working. Um, if any fans were at Chili Bowl, I bet you they would remember Freddie and might have taken some pictures. So feel free to send them. Maybe there's something on social media. I don't Freddy. think. I think that was the drunk. He was probably the drunkest. Well, no, I can't really say that. But he, he lined right up, right up with some of the other fans that were there. Freddie's center of gravity coupled with his footwork in these situations is truly an art form uh, to watch. His head is like it weighs 4,000 pounds, and yet his feet can somehow another keep up with it. It's uh, it's quite an artwork to, to see. Maybe that's what we he's need a, a video of. He's a supportive drunk, though. I mean, I remember he was still cheering Chad on, and he, he was really on par with that. So That's awesome. Yep, we're going to need to see this picture. <laughs> yeah, I have to find it. All right, well, what do we want to rant about? Did you say Mike Herman? You said Mike Herman, didn't you? I didn't you? say Harmon, did I? No, you said Mike Herman, but uh, this made me think about, we need to get a picture of him at these races now when we set up in the grandstand areas. Because yeah. he brings, what do you call that thing that you put your music on when you're playing a lessons or whatever? He looks like an orchestra director. Yeah, I was going to say, he looks like um, the professor or the conductor. He looks like a conductor. Like, I'm going to bring him two little sticks so he can guide... guide uh, Busher on racetrack. So I'm completely different than a lot of these guys. I have all of my information ready to go on my iPad as a backup, but primarily on my phone. Now, I don't use all this. These guys are still writing novels on their tape, and, and so now they've taken it to a whole new level. Like they've, They bring these stands that they put up, and it does look like a, a, a choir director. And, and they got all these things they're putting on these stands. they got these fancy phone holders. Like This isn't helping them spot one single bit. 
And I just think it's funny. I'm like, who the hell carries on? Like Tony Hirschman shows up and he's got this chair with an umbrella on it, with a fan on the side, with a cooler. I'm like, who the hell carries this every week? Like, I don't, I would rather be hot and dehydrated than I have to lug this around. Have you seen all that stuff, TJ? Yeah, I've seen it all. They, um, there's a few of them, um, that set up. It's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty, um, in depth, uh, They've got things welded on welded on stands and stuff, uh, custom-made deals. Like Herm's got the drink holder welded onto that stick thing that holds the music, whatever you call it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to – I have my backpack and my cooler. Those are the only two things that I carry. And uh, I have to borrow a Sharpie when I get up there most of the time. That's, uh, I mean, but again, yeah, I, got, to, I do Sharpies. everything off my phone. I have washed – in the past, I've washed um, – Brett just he opened up his bag and the radio is going and uh pile them out let's go <laughs> but man we, we're OCD. fortunate but like we lost the fan vision device and Ford has some technology that they provide to us on our cell phones that allows us to have a lot of the same data that we would normally have during a race that was provided via via fan vision so um between that and pit road sheets and everything like man i've got i've got it all zoomed in pictures ready like it's it's pretty easy when the caution comes out to be able to manage it because during the race the only thing we're looking down for is a split second to see a lap time it's not like i need all of that i don't know i, I don't need a u-haul to get to the racetrack i use um i use a little phone uh little phone clip for the rail if i can get it for lap times and stuff that's what i do Ford does help out a bunch with that. I, I will say this, TJ, and I, I think you'll agree with it. Um, there was no racing at all on TV yesterday on a Sunday in the middle of the summer. We were originally supposed to have a weekend off in August, and I feel like the old regime, when this pandemic broke out, they would have stuck it to us and we wouldn't have had a single Sunday off the rest of the year. Uh, I will say this about the new regime and whoever is steering the ship. Either A, they had a big vacation plan that they'd already put their deposit on and they didn't want to cancel it. Or B, they truly have a heart and they care about us as people and as industry people and wanted us to have an opportunity to to, to take some time with our families before we go back to school or work or whatever it may be. So a uh, big shout out to whomever made the decision at NASCAR to align the schedule in the way that you did. We got to try a Thursday night race, which I personally was a big fan of. And most importantly, we got to spend some time with our family before school fires back up so hats off to you guys thank you appreciate it it uh it to me it sent a pretty big message yeah i think um we've said it before but i think nascar has nailed this whole thing i mean we were out of we were out of work for months and really the first sport to go back full-time big time like we did and do a lot of races quick um nascar has made this uh very seamless and very in-depth at the same time for us um, to get back to work. Um, they, they just, they've done a really good job, man. The people that are, the people that I'm, and I'm, I would hate to know the amount of meetings that went into putting this all back together to get us back racing. But um, yeah, kudos to them, man. They've got us back racing and full time. And here we are. Now we're, things are seeming more and more normal as we get back. As we go along here, they've had to make changes and some of them forced, but some of them made the sport. You know, I think we've learned some things, too, that, hey, we don't need practice all the time now. Look at our races there. Uh, we've had great races still. You know, we've had some tracks that didn't put on the best show, but that's nothing new. Um, but NASCAR has done a really good job of making this, you know, making the best out of a really bad situation. 
making the best out of it for us to to get back and put on races for for the fans and and um everybody sponsors everybody just get back to do what we do i think what's really cool is you see so many sports taking what nascar learned and applying it to their sports to get back to normal and but most of them aren't even in season yet and still trying to figure it out so i think that we were nascar was multiple steps ahead and um, I think it's pretty cool where they've come and the fact that we're still still going and hopefully we'll make a full season out of it. We're going to make a full season out of it. What do you mean you hope we do? Yeah. We're making one. Hey, this we is how will. we make it. Sorry. We're doing it. Yeah. I we're getting close awesome, to the playoffs. Though. Yeah. Playoffs are coming. Hey, yeah. when we leave Dover, we're back on schedule, right? We run a double. We run New Hampshire this weekend. We run a doubleheader at Michigan. I'm not exactly sure how the schedule shapes up after that, but once we hit Dover, we pull off those two races back to back. We're we're right back on schedule, right? That's pretty impressive. I, I think so. And to add to swap races and stuff, throw an all star race on a Wednesday, man. I just think they've done a lot of things. I think this has given them the opportunity to make some changes like that. And this was the opportunity to, to, I mean, you're already, everything's already kind of messed up. So why not try to make the changes that they wanted to try some stuff like that Wednesday night all-star race, man, that, that, what a, what an idea. Bristol, you know, I'd never, you could have told me this last year and I told you you were crazy. And, um, we did it. It's already been done, you know? And, uh, I just think, I mean, I, I think they've taken this opportunity and made the best that they could do and probably done even more than that. So, I'm glad they I'm you know thankful for they put the work in to get us back and and we're in this situation we're recording shows talking about races you know we've had had some punches thrown in the after races I mean the sport is coming back and it's good well breaking news TJ wins DVC picks two weeks in a row shot 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 shots everybody <laughs> all right well who goes first? Damn, you got to pick for you got to pick for Freddie Jason. Yeah, uh, Freddie uh, sent me his pick yesterday. He's going Ryan Newman for New Hampshire. Ryan Newman, I'll, uh, I'll I'll see his Ryan Newman bet, and I will take Christopher Bell. He better keep this. Better be his coming out party. He's been sucking <laughs> this ninety five car long enough. We've seen him have some flashes <laughs> of brilliance. It's time for him to step up, be the man, get me a top six finish, and bury these other two guys. I got to win the regular season. <laughs> So this is uh, – we reset at the playoffs, right? Yep. And how many races is that from now? Five? At some point, you're going to have to use Seven. Brennan Poole. Seven. Yes, at some point, you're going to have to use Brennan Poole. <laughs> One. Me and you are completely two, out. Two, three, four. Ooh. Man, I need to keep winning, though. I'm going to go Harvick. Damn, you still got Harvick left? Yeah, come at me. Three Woo. in a row. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, TJ was Bale. just saving everybody. Come on, Bale. I did take I did take some long shots there in the beginning. Yeah, they didn't they didn't do good. I either. mean, I I took Reddick and D Benedetto as my first two picks. Yes, I said his name correctly. Right, take and notes. then I pick. Look at my first three picks. Reddick, uh, Matt, and Ross were my first three picks of the year. Yeah. So, and. Ross damn near got it done. You beat me by five spots. Yeah. So at Fontana. It uh hey, it's coming so. it's wire to wire, man. Wire to wire. TJ, enjoy the beach, man. Uh I, I, as Dell Jr., does he still have to put on as much sunscreen as he used to have to? 
Uh, he better. He's down there. I feel bad because he's down there blowing up bounce houses and stuff like that right now, and I'm just up here watching him, and I know it's hot. He used to walk outside. He'd just start screaming, Code Red, Code Red. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's actually got a good little base base coat now. Yeah. I don't know. We we both kind of go for the long sleeve stuff until it's like evening time or something. That might be makeup. He so. might have TV Dale still going on. Uh, yeah, it might be. You yeah, think he's, he's spray there. tanning on us these days? Is he spray tanning? Oh, no. 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 Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. No. I can't go out there and see his legs while I put my sunglasses on. So. <laughs> oh. Um, no, it's fun though. Glad the kids are playing and stuff. So, um, yeah, we got water tables, bounce houses, swing sets, uh, swimming pool, just enough to tire the kids out. So that's good. Y'all, y'all, y'all have fun. Y'all have fun in the real Carolina. Y'all know what's up. You think that <laughs> hey, everybody the way, goes um, there because of you? It, honestly, like people would probably steer clear of it if they knew you. They go there hey, because it's the this. best place to go vacation. Whoever sent us the the Carolina Gamecocks mask with the door number clear logo on it, I have uh, I have gifted mine to Dale Jr. and he likes it. So um, nothing like seeing mine and Brett's face, you know, walk around <laughs> or anywhere out. <laughs> Here's the thing that people I'm, don't know uh, a lot about Dale Jr. Like Dale Jr. was a pretty big Gamecock fan when Spurrier was there. He went to some games and yeah. uh, and, and was a big supporter. He and Spurrier were tight. So uh, I bet that Gamecock logo looks good on him. He's liking it, man. I see him keep grabbing it. It wasn't like a one and done thing, so he must like it. Yeah. So tell him he has to wear it to his podcast from now on. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Your other podcast, Jason? Hey, by the way, Dilmer's I got a couple, podcast. I got a couple people that DM me asked if we needed a producer. So uh No, you're good. I'm here. Appreciate it. Jason's gonna have to pick up the slack, otherwise we'll take that resume. Brett decided not to come in the studio this week, so I took all the bourbon that was sick. Yeah, that's the only reason I let you keep your jobs because you brought me more bourbon last week. So uh, that looks good in my bar, by the way. I'm scared to open it, man. Anytime you get an $80 bottle of bourbon that you can't find anywhere, it's like you got to pick the right time to go after it. So, so eventually, I'm going to find the right time. I, I believe myself in that. Stop sending Brett all the free stuff. Yeah, seriously. He's not that great. Honestly. He's <laughs> case, don't worry. Listen, Casey goes on baby moons. Don't worry about sending her anything either. Hey, ask her where she went on her last vacation. Uh, Casey, I did not go because of you. I went because it's close and it's small. Where, where, what state did you go to to vacation in on your last vacation? You don't have to tell me. I already know at that point. Say it. <laughs> Just say it. South Carolina. Holla. Told you. Boom. Not for you. The one place you recommended. <laughs> the one place you recommended was shut down. So it wasn't shut <laughs> down. It just was closed. I promise you, the rooster ain't shut down. That place is the bomb. It looks cool, I will admit, but no, we didn't go there for you. Don't worry. I did ask your advice because all you do is talk about it. You're welcome. All Jason, right, well, Jason, one last thing before you get old, you know, and 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 whatever happens to you in your elder years, go to a place called Defusky Island. Very, very remote. TJ's actually really close to there right now. He could ferry over if he really wanted to. It's uh, the only way to get there is by boat. Really, really cool place to go. Very isolated. You walk out on the beach and it's like you're the only ones there, like a private beach. It's not, uh, it's not, I, I don't love commercialized places. You know, that's one of the reasons why I told Casey to go to Hilton Head because I like cool little boutique local restaurants, bars, that kind of thing. So that's what South Carolina's got a lot of. But anyway, that's my last South Carolina plug until the next one. All right, guys. Well, enjoy New Hampshire. 
Thank you to everyone for listening. And as always, be sure to help us out by sharing a link to the show. Send us tons of comments, uh, vacation pictures if you're on vacation too. We'll take it all. Thank you, guys. Pictures of Freddie. Wow. Freddie drunk. Yeah, if you see Freddie <laughs> drunk, I mean, have any pictures of Freddie drunk? How many, how many friends do you think you have, TJ? Like, how many friends do you have in your life? Define that. Like, close friends or just, just friends? Friends. Oh, man, I don't know. A lot. Casey, how many friends you got? Three. There's Literally. only one friend that you know of that has their own definition of drunk. We call it Freddie drunk. Like, that's how big of a deal it is. So, uh, of all the people that you know, there's only one guy that's got his own brand of drinking. So, Freddie, send us... Have fun, man. I don't know if we want you seeing the pictures, yeah. to be honest with you. We should ask Megan, Anybody too, sees Freddie some. out, yeah. If you see Freddie out, Hilton Head, tag us. <laughs> Please. <laughs> We're out. Y'all have a good week. Holla. See ya. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.